understanding that there are other people out there just like you that want to improve. It's just that gut check. Like, always be honest with yourself. Always be evolving. Always be be pushing your own limits and expanding your your horizons, your boundaries. Get outside of your comfort zone and to adopt this mindset, this mentality of, you know, as you go through life, try to figure out how you can be more valuable, more of an asset in any given situation. There's always something else that requires improvement. So it's that that whole idea of don't be complacent. You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks. Natural Stacks makes 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, keep it right here listening to the OPP or visit naturalstacks.com. Brian Muncy is probably the smartest guy I know. Trust me, Muncy is the nutrition guy. Ryan Muncy's out there trying to make the world better for all of us. The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold, edgy, creative, entertaining, and epic. Ryan Muncy is my go-to guy. Ryan Muncy is he's the first guy I call. He's making people's lives better. Ryan Muncy's an innovator. All right, happy Thursday, all you Optimal Performers. Welcome to another episode of the OPP. As always, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us and sharing some of your precious time with us. So this week, we've got a really cool episode for you. Uh, This is the post-Vanguard episode. And if you caught the first one, awesome. If you didn't, go back and listen to it. It was uh, Stronger, Faster, Harder to Kill. I interviewed Jake Sines and Todd Moore, uh, two of the guys from Atomic Athlete who are responsible for putting on this event. Uh, If you didn't hear that one, just to bring you up to speed, it's an event based on um, adding skills and and usefulness to your platform. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways coming out of the event is that if we look at ourselves as a blank slate or, or a platform onto which we can add skills and always be evolving and building and training those skills so that not only are we adding more skills, uh, but, but that we're making those skills better and, and more efficient and more effective uh, so that we as a human being can be more useful and be more an asset, never being a liability. Uh, so that's the general theme from, from this weekend. It was an amazing event, amazing people. Uh, I'm not going to talk too long in this intro about it because we've got uh, Alex Acosta, we've got Justin Herzler, two of the instructors. We've got Ben coming on to talk about his thoughts. And I'm going to share with you some gems or, or giant takeaways at the end that will kind of replace this week's top three tips to perform optimal. Okay. So uh, as always, go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to see the video version of this podcast. Even if you don't want to watch the video of this one, definitely go check out the blog post for this one because we have videos of us at the event rappelling off a 125 foot tower you get to see me go upside down you get to see justin who you're going to hear from uh, actually run face first down 125 foot tower Um, it's a really cool video Um, so go check out that as well as the links and resources that we'll have for you there um, you know to to further your education your asset or usefulness building um, uh, pursuits as always, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, let us know how much you like the show, uh, and please share the OPP with anybody you know who will benefit from and enjoy the things that we're talking about. Because 
you know, really what we're trying to do here is, you know, we're trying to better ourselves as humans, but we also want to help you, help your friends, your family, and help as many people as possible uh, better themselves uh, and make themselves more useful, smarter, increase focus, better brains, better bodies, better health, better happiness, all that great stuff. So uh, enjoy this one, guys. Okay, guys, so before we get to Alex Acosta, the uh, pistol instructor, uh, and Justin Herzler and Ben, a um, couple of my opening thoughts and, and things that I want to make sure I share. First of all, with, with Alex and, and the pistol stuff, Alex is probably hands down the, probably hands down, I know I caught that. Uh, Alex is probably the best instructor I've ever had in anything. Um, sports, uh, weight room, fitness, anything, um, simply for his ability to take a group of people from such a wide variety of experience and move every single person forward. Uh, at, at, the event, at the event, we were shooting 12 by 12 metal targets. And um, by the end of the two hour uh, shooting block, which ended after dark, you have people who uh, you know, there were 20 people in our group and, and every single person was shooting 60 to 80% uh, accuracy, um, you know, as to whether or not they were hitting that target. And this is in the dark, you know, from uh, a considerable distance and, and not having done any of this stuff before. Um, you know, so just Alex's ability to bring people uh, along and move them forward, uh, just, just really, really amazing. And, and even for somebody like me who has experience shooting, uh, I learned a lot, I got better, uh, and had a blast learning from him. So I'm really looking forward to you getting to hear uh, from Alex. He's got some great insights uh, for you uh, in regards to shooting, but also just uh, as a person and, and, and getting better. Um, uh, a couple of other gems, um, you know, pieces of wisdom, isms that you can take along with you, um, you know, from, from the striking and the stand-up close quarters combat block, um, anything that you're not using actively as a weapon or, or to attack should be used to defend yourself. Uh, if it's not if it's not throwing a punch, meaning if I throw a punch with my left hand, then my right hand is defending or blocking. So if it's not, uh, the thing to remember is if it's not being used uh, on attack, then it's protecting you. Um, so, you know, I may be throwing a knee, uh, but both my hands are up covering my face. Or if I'm throwing a punch, then then everything is, is uh, you know, my other shoulder, you know, that, that finished shoulder is blocking one side and then my hand is blocking the other side. So uh, always be aware of that. You know, the, the, the striking and, and everything that we did was not to learn how to beat people up, but it was to uh, learn how to not get your shit destroyed if you're ever in a situation where you have to defend yourself, uh, yourself, your girlfriend, your wife, your kids, whatever. Um, you know, we, we need to know uh, how to handle ourselves in those situations. Um, and, and that's where the saying, you know, be an asset, don't be a liability comes into play. Um, couple other uh, gems or, or, or things to, to keep in mind is, you know, every block we always talked about our foundation, um, not only foundation and skill set, but physical foundation, your stance. Uh, you, you should stand in a way, whether it's uh, close quarters combat, whether it's shooting, uh, whether it's jujitsu, whatever it is, your stance is your foundation. You should be ready to move in any direction. You should be able to take a push from one side or front or back and not fall over. Uh, you know, so, so the way you stand is going to be uh, highly individual. There's no exact stance that works for me, for you, for everybody else, but just be aware 
uh, of how you stand. Uh, when you move, you want to keep that spine straight up and down. Uh, you know, think about your spinal alignment. Uh, this this was incredibly evident in both close quarters combat and jujitsu that if I can get somebody off balance, then I can get them to move the way that I want them to move, not the way that they want to move. So if you are trying to protect yourself, make sure that you stay as balanced as possible so that you don't become a rag doll that somebody else can manipulate and move around. Okay, a couple more and then we'll, I'm trying to go through these quickly because I know you guys don't want to hear me talk. I know you want to hear our guests. So... Um, Quickly, the, the food, the butchery thing was was phenomenal. It was amazing, uh, not in a sense that I'm sadistic and, and want to chop up animals, but uh, it, was, it was phenomenal because even for somebody who is very particular about the food that, that I eat, you know, I want only grass-fed meat, I want uh, organic, pasture-raised, all that stuff, you know, and we stress it here on the podcast, but, um, you know, to... to butcher your own chicken and then to eat it the next night. Um, very few times do we get the opportunity to be that close to our food, to know exactly how it got to our plate. That was a very powerful thing. Gives me a new appreciation for, you know, being able to go to the grocery store and buying, you know, grass fed beef or, you know, whatever the meat is that we want to eat. Um, you know, I've experienced it, you know, growing, growing up, going fishing or, or, you know, you go on vacation, you catch fish, you bring it home and, and you cook it. Um, as a hunter, I get to experience that, but, but somehow it was very different with doing it with a chicken. Um, I think just because we eat chicken so frequently and we never really think about how it gets to our plate. Uh, Brandon, who led that block taught us something very, very valuable that I want to make sure I highlight to you that if you're buying meat in a store, then you want to make sure you look on the label and make sure that it does not say uh, excess liquid. Um, excess liquid is an industry term that allows um, companies uh, to get basically to get chlorine and fecal matter into your chicken without you knowing it. Uh, they don't have to declare it because they can just say it's excess liquid. So when we butchered or processed our own chicken, um, you know, if you've ever done this or ever talked to somebody who's done it, it is an incredible pain in the ass to remove every single feather from that bird. Uh, in a factory farming production line, they are using a mechanical process that is much faster but much less efficient. So it leaves a lot of those feathers. And then they take the bird, they dunk it in a bath that contains chlorine uh, to, to chemically remove the remainder of those feathers. And the other thing about chickens is that they walk around in their own feces. They're kind of dirty and their feathers are covered with their own poop. Um, that's just the nature of the animal. And, you know, you see that when you're picking the feathers off by hand, especially on their, uh, you know, their underbelly. And... You know, when, when that bird is dunked into this liquid, that's the excess liquid. Uh, so that was actually very, very disturbing, very disgusting. Um, you know, you see this on documentaries, you, 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 but until you've touched it, until you've lived it, until you've seen it, it's a very different thing. Um, so that was a very powerful block. Um, you know, we learned a lot. Uh, we learned that, uh, according to Brandon, the, the preferred way to um, end the animal's life is actually to make a slit 
in their neck. So you're slitting their neck, you're hanging them upside down, they bleed out, the heart is still beating, the heart will pump that blood out, as opposed to, you know, what my grandmothers did, where, you know, you uh, maybe your grandmothers too, but you, you hear them talk about wringing the neck or chopping the head off, but that instantly severs the spinal cord, which causes instant death, and they don't bleed out as efficiently. So uh, that was another lesson learned. Um, finally, in the trauma medicine, uh, you're going to hear this from Justin in a little while, um, but the big thing uh, here is that you want to be that calm, the, the person who brings a calm or a presence to that situation, that environment. It's going to be chaotic. There's going to be a lot going on. Um, the biggest way that you can be an asset without even learning what we learned about tourniquets or, or packing wounds or things like that is, is to simply... Be that person who is calm, um, delegate. There will probably be people who are frozen and don't know what to do. Um, you know, as a strength coach and personal trainer, I always had to be CPR certified. And one of the first things you learn is, you know, to uh, when you get to the scene, to, to point out somebody and say, you, go call 911. Um, you know, start calling the shots and, and make sure that you're doing it in a way that is in the best interest of the person who is on the ground. Um, what we talked about was trauma, not necessarily first aid. Uh, so with first aid, it's ABC. You're going to address airway, breathing, and circulation. With trauma, you're most likely looking at a stab wound or bullet wound, some kind of um, you know car wreck, uh, and you're actually going to put the C at the beginning. So the acronym to remember is CAB, circulation, airways, breathing. If somebody has a severed femoral artery, they can bleed out and die within three to five minutes. So the very first thing that you've got to address is stopping the bleeding. Uh, so, so circulation is most important in a trauma aid situation. Uh, then it's airways and breathing. So CAB for trauma medicine. Um, I'm going to stop talking. We're going to bring in some of our guests. You're going to hear from Alex, uh, Justin, and Ben. And then I will catch back up with you guys at the end of this one and share with you uh, some gems that will replace our top three tips to live optimal this week. So here we go. All right. So told you guys how awesome Alex Acosta was at the Vanguard. He led the pistol shooting portion. Um, we've got Alex coming up for you now. So you're going to get to hear uh, some of his takeaways and some of his advice. So Alex, go ahead and introduce yourself for us. I'm a athlete at Atomic gym here in Austin. I'm also a hunter, angler, uh, just general outdoorsman. Um, pretty focused on how I can you know, improve my performance in you know, each and each each of those areas. Every you know, all, all the hobbies that I'm interested in, I'm always curious to know how can I make myself better. And uh, never am complacent with you know where I'm at in terms of skill, and so I'm always asking questions. I think that's one of the you know, big things that defines me is that I'm always asking questions of myself and you know, always wanting to improve. Awesome. Uh, what's your day job? I work for an oil and gas software company. I actually manage two IT teams. Uh, have some really good guys that work for me, and uh, you know, every day presents a new set of challenges. So nothing's ever the same, uh, and that's you know part of the reason why I've, I've been at this company longer and have any previous job. It's just it's always something new and nothing static. Gotcha. So you're probably one of the more badass IT guys that I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Alex, let's let's talk about Vanguard a little bit. What was the coolest thing that you did last weekend? 
Uh, the coolest thing I did, man, that was, we went on a night hunt the night before all the athletes got there actually. Uh, and you know, it was a full moon. We had night vision goggles on. So we had the PBS 14. So it was actually a monocular, uh, and just roaming around you know, on the high, on those high ridge tops looking for, for some kind of an animal paying attention to, uh, the thermals, what the wind was doing, trying to stay above everything. Didn't end up seeing anything, but man, I just love being outdoors and being underneath the stars and the those NVGs definitely made everything uh, you know, that much more awesome. Okay, so follow-up question to that. Why did we not get to do that? <laughs> <laughs> there weren't enough NVGs to go around is probably the short answer there. <laughs> All right, that's, that's probably the only acceptable answer. <laughs> um, all right, so what was the biggest challenge that you overcame at this event? The biggest challenge. So I don't have a fear of heights, but when you tell me that I'm going to go upside down off a hundred foot repelling tower, I definitely question your sanity. Um, and so getting over the edge, and I so I'd gone off the tower before, so you know, repelling definitely wasn't an issue. But the whole, all right, now we're going to lean all the way back, and your your head is uh, you know below your feet, and you're looking down. And then you have to commit to bringing your brake hand, uh, you know, all the way around you. There was definitely a moment there where I questioned whether or not I wanted to do this, or if I, I guess, trusted myself to do that process correctly and not go plummeting to the ground. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I can totally relate because I think the biggest thing, if, if I had to answer the same question, it would be. The, it would be the rappel tower. For me, it was actually going over the edge. That was that was the scarier thing. Um, but I actually, I, I did the inversion as well. I'm curious, what was your internal dialogue, um, you know, to, to get through that moment? What were you saying to yourself or, or what helped you um, get through that? Sure. So, you know, the guy that was there, uh, the coach that was there hoping, helping me through that, uh, Justin Herzler, uh, he's a phenomenal coach, and he's just really good at talking you through exactly what you're doing and then helping you establish that high level of trust in your own abilities. Uh, I think that's just I think, you know, one of the testament to the majority of the guys that are out there just speaking to that, that you know, everyone is there to enable you know, everyone else's like, untapped uh, performance and you know, ability. And so it was you know, trusting in what he was telling me, because I certainly didn't trust in myself in that moment, but trusting in what Justin was telling me and you know, knowing that he wouldn't tell me something that wasn't going to work uh, and just you know, letting, letting the action happen. And I, put, I, I brought, the, brought the arm over and around my head, uh, quickly realized that I wasn't falling to the ground. And all of a sudden, you know, all, that, all that fear and the anxiety passed immediately and it, it was awesome. And I quickly did it you know, again. Uh, so it was, you know, Justin played a huge part in that, you know, just answering your question. Awesome. That's very cool. Um, it was funny. I, I talked to my parents after I got back. It was actually last night. And, um, you know, my mom was asking me that question and, and I answered it and was just, you know, really the only thing that got me to go over the edge was the thought of it being, okay, so it's, we're recording this on Friday. You know, this happened on Sunday. The thing that got me to do it was, okay, I'm going to be at home on Thursday or Friday. And if I don't do this, I'm 
going to be hating myself and kicking myself and it will take me months and years and my entire life possibly to get over, you know, not having done that. So no matter how scary it is to me, it was just, um, you know, the, the fear of, of the what if of not doing it, the regret was, was greater than like that moment. Um, so it's just interesting to me and I'm sure to our listeners too, to hear, uh, the, the different self dialogue that we can have to, to get through those moments. Oh, absolutely. And I can definitely, definitely relate to that i had a friend last year at last year's vanguard that had never done the rappel tower either uh and honest to god he was on top of that tower for two hours and you know, he kept looking down at me and it's one of those things where you know you as a friend don't want to kind of impart pressure on someone to do something that, that they don't want to do like i don't want anyone to ever feel uncomfortable uh but he had that you know we, we talked after and he had that same internal struggle and after he saw enough people do it and you know, knew that it was safe. Like I think that was the first thing is he needed to know that it was safe. He needed that verification. Uh, but the thing that got him to go was exactly what you just said. He said he he told himself, or or actually knew uh, that he wouldn't be able to go home and you know, be at peace with himself had he not done that. Uh, it would have been you know one of those questions until probably this you know this next or the next year mm -hmm. uh, that he would have had uh, you know, to deal with. So yeah, absolutely. All right. So, uh, third question for you, Alex, what's the biggest take home, uh, advice or, or lesson coming out of the event that you can, for, for me, it's, you know, it's always a reality check. Like regardless of how good I am, or I think I am at something, there's always something else that requires improvement. So it's that, that whole idea of don't be complacent. And every time that hits me in the face is when, you know, the, the, I, I, how it hits me the, the hardest is every time we come back to the medical section uh, and I realize that I haven't practiced that in a way that I'm really preparing myself you know, to, to perform when, you know, when I'm needed to. Uh, and in the end, the, the, the stark reality of it is of all the skills that you know, we, we, we practiced out there or learned, the medical portion is probably the most valuable uh, and so again, you know, it's, it's just that gut check, like always be honest with yourself, never be complacent and always, you know, be, be having those self checks of if you're get if, if you get, you know, real good at something, well, maybe that means that you should be switching into more of a maintenance, you know, maintenance phase of that particular skill and then keeping yourself well-rounded with, you know, all those other things that are out there. Um, so that was my biggest lesson learned is just, you know, again, Alex, don't, don't, don't be satisfied with you know how you perform. Just always, always want to be better. At those other things. I love it. I love it. So now, a question specifically for you because you uh, were an instructor at the event, um, and I gave you high praise in person. And, and again, uh, I've already recorded my thoughts on this, and, and and I repeated what I said to you in person uh, in regards to your abilities as an instructor. Um, but as an instructor who, who led the handgun or the pistol portion of the firearms block, you know, if you could talk to our listeners and, and impart one piece of advice or wisdom uh, in relationship to uh, handling a pistol or, or a handgun, what, what would be your biggest piece of advice there? My biggest piece of advice there would be to understand that, uh, as I mentioned at Vanguard, that the the, the pistol 
the tool it's and it's extension it's an extension of us as a platform that it's a new way that we are giving ourselves to solve a problem um, by virtue of that you know being a fact uh, we shouldn't be adapting the tool to us uh, we should let our bodies dictate you know how we move how we interact how we adapt to uh, the interface with 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 the tool and I think a lot of people just have that backwards. Like they're trying to learn the movements because they look cool or uh, because they've seen someone else you know, high speed do it on uh, YouTube or something like that. It's like, guys, we're making this way too complicated. Uh, our bodies know how to move in space. We know where we are in space. So why don't we use those natural points? Uh, like, for example, setting the support hand at the same position where we clap our hands. Like, it's just intuitive. Uh, so, you know, again, going back to how do we make this concise? The, the number one, or I mean, the, the most important lesson that I would, or important lesson that I'd want to impart, uh, it'd be again realize that this is just a tool that we're bolting onto us as a platform. Let's learn how to adapt ourselves or use what we already know uh, and apply that to the use of the tool, uh, not the way other way around. Perfect, perfect. I was really hoping that that's the way you would take this. Um, so. Uh, that's it, guys. Al this is Alex Acosta. Alex, thank you for, for being a part of the Vanguard. Thank you for the lessons learned there, and thanks for being a part of the podcast afterwards. I really appreciate it. All right, guys. Next up for you, I've got Justin Herzler, who is a SWAT medic. He led the trauma medicine portion of this um, Vanguard event, and just a generally all-around awesome, badass guy. So here it is. Enjoy, Justin. Justin, you tell us what you're, you, you look good on paper, so tell us what it is. <laughs> uh, well, I'm a, my full-time position is a 911 paramedic, so I respond on ambulance to, uh, to all 911 calls. And then my adjunct role with that is that I'm what's classified as a tactical medic, which means that I deploy with the SWAT team, uh, whether it's on a planned raid or you know, a call out for an event that, you know, is occurring now. <clears throat> um, and so in that capacity, you know, I deploy with multiple different agencies uh, throughout our central Texas region. We're really lucky in the, in the agency that I work for in that we are spread between these other agencies. So we have the opportunity to work with a broad variety of, uh, of people. And uh, although SWAT teams all have similar mandates, they all do things in slightly different ways. So I get to get a lot of experience through that. And it also uh, is a blast for me because it means I attend all, all the training that the SWAT guys go through. So yeah. I get to jump out of helicopters and do all that other fun stuff. Well, we saw you on the tower. You looked incredibly uh, comfortable. And uh, I have the video of you running down. Uh, Aussie style. So we will put that up on the podcast so people can see uh, that you look good, not just on paper, but in real life. <laughs> I have my moments from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I, the question that I get most often from people who are talking about coming out is like, well, you know, I don't know if I'm in shape for it. How much cardiovascular fitness do I need? And, and I always tell them, you know, that the physical part of it is, is really the smallest part. Everything else is just trying to soak up all of that and, uh, and retain any of it afterwards. So. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's what I found myself doing all this week is like going through every block and, you know, what did I learn? What were the things that I said? Like I, I made mental checklists in each of those blocks and it was like, okay, 
what what do I need to practice from this block when I go home to you know build these skills and and you know turn this into you know a tool that I have in my toolbox and it's funny I, you know I'm like walking down the street and I'm I'm in my head I'm going through the stuff that Randy was teaching us with the uh, the stand up <laughs> striking and I'm like all right if, if this guy comes at me what do I do. And, <laughs> Yeah, subways become a dangerous place to ride for us, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your mind just goes nuts. <laughs> well, um, we'll just roll right into this. Um, sure. So, I guess the, I think we'll start with like the easiest question, maybe. Um, what was the coolest thing that you did this weekend? Oh man, you know, I don't know if I would classify it as a thing in terms of an event. This is my uh, my third year doing Vanguard, and every year I am consistently more blown away by the quality of the people who show up and and the the depth of their character and just the the sort of the lack of ego that everybody brings to it. There's a lot of humility and a lot of receptiveness that uh, that I just greatly appreciate. And you know, I know that that could sound like hyperbole to some people, but it seems like every year the group that comes out gets more and more grounded and just open to new experiences. That's very cool. I think I can definitely attest to the group that was there this year. I haven't been there in previous years, but I mean, I think to me, it's kind of par for the course. At least that would be my expectation of who would want to come to an event like this. Um, right. you, know, you don't, you don't sign up for this and, and attend this if you're not looking to better yourself. Agreed. Uh, but that being said, you know, I think uh, several of us, Jake and myself and a bunch of our posse have been to various, you know, sort of schools of different crafts, whether it's firearms and things like that. And and often at those kinds of events, uh, those kinds of courses, you find a lot of people who show up wanting to roll out their resume for everybody else who's there, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and I didn't, I don't see that at all in the crew that shows up for Vanguard. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, it was definitely, it was an environment where not only with the instructors could we feel safe, um, but, but also, yeah, that is a good point. You know, like with the other people who were in attendance, you never felt like you had to, you know, pretend to be something or, or, you know, nobody cared, like you said, about the resume. It was just, you know, Hey, we're here to get better. Let's learn. And, you know, there, there were yeah. very little ego. Um, there was very little ego there and that's cool. Yeah. And I mean, like I said out there, I, I look great on paper, but, uh, there's, there's plenty of people in this world that I would stand next to and feel real small in terms of my accomplishments. So, uh, I always, I always appreciate seeing humility in other people. Well, and that was one of the jokes that, that you know, for the people who weren't there, you know, we had that, that running joke. It was, uh, I guess Jake had been at Randy's gym a week ago and, and Randy said, you know, come on, Jake, you're on paper. You're the, the, the baddest guy here or whatever. And, <laughs> you know, so that was, that was the running joke the whole weekend is like on paper, you're a badass. <laughs> but, yeah. but, and, and I think that's just like, it's a little nudge. It's a little reminder that like your resume or what you've done up until this point, whether it's a Vanguard or, or at any point in your life, doesn't really matter. Yeah, man. I think that's an excellent point. You know, the, the, uh, not to get too philosophical about it, but the, the goal should always be to strive for, for greater evolution, you know, to better yourself. And, and wherever you were yesterday has no bearing on where you want to be 
tomorrow, you know? Absolutely. Well, yeah. so, so to keep from getting too overly philosophical, let's, let's go right <laughs> into the next question. What was the biggest challenge that you overcame this past weekend? For me, uh, you know, having, and having taken the courses from my friends in the past, uh, and, you know, sort of dealt with that course material. For me, the biggest challenge is always at these events, uh, knowing that as a medical instructor, um, I'm having to take responsibility for the skills that I'm imparting to other people, you know, and knowing that now I'm not just responsible for whoever I'm taking care of in a medical context, but now all these other people who I have taught to do something are also taking that responsibility. So indirectly or not, you know, I'm having an effect on the outcome of those patients. And, uh, and that's always a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you know, it's something that, uh, that I have to be able to, uh, I have to be able to sleep at night, you know? So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's always, that's always the biggest challenge is, is knowing that, uh, or at least hoping for, you know, a situation in which I leave feeling confident that nobody's going to go out and do something stupid because I told them to. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, what was the biggest takeaway for you this year? Like something that you learned or, or some advice that you received this weekend? You know, I think, uh, I think that came from Alex Acosta who always has really, really good insights and things. And although he teaches firearms at our Vanguard school, he uh, he's an extremely thoughtful individual. And he and I were discussing uh, some of the class material after we'd finished uh, a pistol course out there. And he was talking about how there's a tendency among people who train with firearms to think that the gun is going to solve everything. Uh, and... You know, of course, it's it's not. Uh, there is, you know, it it can help in some situations. Hopefully, situations that none of us ever find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. But to be a useful asset to any situation, you have to have a much broader skill set than that, and a much deeper character than to just rely on, you know, a sort of combat reflex. Uh, and when he said we should all work to make ourselves less of a liability and more of an asset in any situation. I think that applies across all spectrums of life. And, uh, and just, it just really hit me hard. You know, I think Alex put it the best when he said that. That's really well said. Um, I I think there's, there's nothing I can say that will add to or build on that. So we'll just leave it at that. So, so now, you know, having said, you know, that, that your background is as a paramedic and, and a tactical medic. Um, what's the one thing that you would want our listeners to know regarding, uh, you know, if, if they found themselves in a situation where they needed to, you know, they were the first on scene for, for a trauma situation? Well, you know, the overriding principle that I would want to impart is that we all, we all subscribe to the, to the Hollywood hero ethos you know we want to go in and solve problems whether by taking out the bad guy or or whatever it is but the vast majority of the problems we will actually encounter in our lives unless our profession involves being in a a war zone uh generally involve 
helping people in other contexts and uh, medicine being a big one of the a big part of that you know I became a I became a paramedic because I was really terrified of feeling useless uh, when somebody else was injured or you know in danger in a in a medical or trauma context and uh, to that end I think that if you take it upon yourself to become that person who is an asset in a situation where someone is injured, it requires just as much practice as all the other skills that we are more drawn to on a sort of Hollywood basis. You know, mm -hmm. if you're practicing with your gun three times a week at the range, you should also be practicing your medicine three times a week or more. And to that end, like anything else, you have to seek out every opportunity to get better at it and to learn more about it. So continue, continuing education is a very big factor in what I do, uh, and I think it should be for anybody who takes that responsibility. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, so I'm looking at the, the running time on, on this, and you know, this is about 10 minutes of information-packed stuff. Uh, Justin, you, you've really given us a lot of great stuff in a short amount of time. Um, any Anything that, that we haven't covered or discussed that you want to add? Any, any final thoughts or closing uh, thoughts for our listeners? Oh, you know, I'd, I'd love to live with the dime. I'd love to leave with the dime store philosophy, you know, soundbite. Uh, but I guess, I guess if I, if I really wanted to say anything about it, it would be that we only we only get this one life that we're aware of at least to uh, to make ourselves useful to other people whether we contribute you know in an artistic sense or in a practical sense or whether we just have that one opportunity throughout our lives to save somebody else's life and if that's the case then we owe it both to ourselves and to our social environment to be con cognizant of that and to seek out these opportunities such as Vanguard and you know similar types of situations uh, so that we're more capable when that opportunity arises and so that we don't end up later wishing that we could have done more, you know? There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Justin Herzler. Beautiful and badass human being. Justin, thanks for, uh, thanks for spending some time with us today and, and sharing your thoughts on the Vanguard. Hey, Ryan, it's absolutely my pleasure. And man, it was such a pleasure to meet you out there and have you there. My uh, tent partner and uh, Natural Stacks co-founder, Ben. Comrade. Comrade, yes. Yes. Uh, is here to share his thoughts on the Vanguard. Um, so Ben, before we let you talk about you know your your big takeaways, what was the coolest thing that you did last weekend at Vanguard? It's interesting. I, I trained at Atomic earlier today and was kind of going over some of my thoughts with with Jordan about the event. And for me, uh, you know, I have some experience shooting, experience grappling, experience doing a lot of those things, but I've really never come that close to my food and understanding, you know how to uh, you know prepare chicken and we did that with rabbit as well everything that goes into the process 
uh, Brandon, who taught the course, I actually ran into him, him and his wife, Meg, at Whole Foods last night. And I was just telling him, oh, man, it was the coolest experience because, you know, they had run a small farm. They talked about the challenges, one, of operating that as a business, and then, two, getting into, um, you know, what you're buying at, at a regular store. And, you know, if you're going there and you're buying chicken or something like that, it says, like, other liquids or something like that inside of it and that's because they're not taking the time to probably clean them all and because they're all filled with excrement and things like that they're using a mixture of chlorine to get rid of some of the bacteria and that's what you're putting into your body and you have no really idea and while i've like seen some documentaries and kind of read about that online um getting there was a much more it was a really deep experience for me because one, I was afraid. I, I really didn't want to do it. I'm very queasy around blood and things like that. But then two, it just gave me such a respect for, you know, the people that are really leading the push for whether it, you know, it's getting rid of factory farms and just moving things in that direction. Uh, not only for the industry, but education as well. So hands down for me, that was probably the best part. You know, it's really interesting that you highlighted the, the chlorine, the excrement, because I actually talked about that on, on I've already recorded my thoughts for this. Um, and it's interesting that we both um, felt compelled to share that particular information that we learned with our listeners on the OPP. Um, I, I think part of the reason is, you know, uh, the open source, the transparency, the ingredient labeling is, is such an important part um, of natural stacks and the branding. You know, how does that Kind of what what thoughts do you have or, or what emotions does that bring up to you as somebody who's you know a co-founder of a supplement company where there's such a high priority on on that transparency? Yeah, I mean each day we learn one or two more things about the space, what people are doing, and the challenges. But you know more than anything, you know from day one, it's been our mission to really one create the best product in the world, and then two really just inform people this is exactly what you're putting in your body. Um, and, you know, we feel like we understand that often or that, you know, we're, we're in control of the choices that we make when it comes to food and, and what we choose. But, you know, so many times we're being deceived by companies out there. And I guess that's kind of the reason why it stuck with you and it kind of resonated with me as well is because, you know, this is something that I feel like personally I'm fighting every day. I know we're fighting it every single day as a company. Um, but, you know, we're not alone. And, and to communicate with Brandon and, and kind of learn that from them, that, you know, we were up against the same thing. You know, when, when they ran their chicken farm, they could only do, you know, 50 chickens a day or something like that. When you're running a factory farm and they're crammed in cages and, you know, it's, it's horrible for the animal and you're feeding them, you know, God knows what, you know, pumping them full of hormones and then they're going through, ah, it's just crazy. And, you know, the most powerful thing is, uh, and kind of the movement that we, we've started and other companies are a part of, it's just like educating consumers, um, you know, helping them understand exactly what they're putting into their body, being completely transparent and open. And, you know, when you think about it, you're like, really, that's not like such a crazy idea after all, right? No, it, it, it shouldn't be. Uh, but it's definitely not the norm. All right. That was the coolest thing. What was the biggest challenge that you overcame? Uh, the biggest challenge for me was being around the blood. Um, the, se the second thing after that, um, you know, I, I can think I'm a little bit queasy when it comes to heights as well. And when we were running through the obstacle course there, 
there were a couple of things when I was just like, I really do not want to do, I do not want to climb over this thing. But, and it wasn't even like, uh, there was a sense of pressure to like, everyone's like, oh, if I don't, if I don't do this, I'm going to look weak or something like that. It was kind of, it was more so like about unity, like, hey, we're all in this shit together. Everyone's here to like help each other get better at everything. Um, I don't want to let anyone else down. I know they'd be totally cool with whatever happens. Um, so that, that was a huge challenge for me to overcome. And it was so cool to see because a lot of people, uh, whether they struggle with this, struggle with that, like almost everyone went back and did it on the second try. And that's kind of like the atmosphere that was there. It's the atmosphere that I find when I train there at the gym. And it's kind of like what we encourage, you know, even with, with our team at Natural Stacks. It's like, you know, I want everyone to put their best effort forward. Uh, we're allowed to fail. You know, failing is encouraged. But it's all about, you know, being in an environment where, hey, you want to try as hard as you can. If you fail, that's fine. And, and keep going, keep moving, keep progressing. And that's really, to me, you know, what the whole weekend was about. Well, you, that may be your answer to the next question because that was just, the next question is going to be, what's, what's your number one take-home advice or, or lesson from the Vanguard? Uh, take-home advice or lesson. I think um, this was really mentioned at, like, the end of it. It's like you, you're a platform and, you know, all of us, each individual is a platform and it's all about the tools or things like that that you mount onto the platform. So whether that's, you know, knowledge of medical skills, uh, farming skills, uh, using rifle, hand-to-hand -hand combat, using a pistol, you know, all of those things are incredibly valuable. You know, it, you go to the navigation, which I am absolutely <laughs> God, God forsaken awful at that. Um, to even things like communication, foreign language, you know, and it's, it was interesting that they approached it in that way because I haven't really thought about that in a long time. You know, I am too bogged down with work, too bogged down with, um, you know, other things. And you kind of don't think about that. Like, you know, we're all platforms. We can all change and evolve and improve upon our skills and mount new ones on and maybe get rid of some things that are like habits that, you know, we're not particularly proud of or we want to change. And, you know, getting such a crash course into things that I was totally like not experienced with. Like, obviously I've never ran and sprinted and fired a clock before. I've never shot an AR range before. Um, I've never done a lot of those things. And I think the thing that a lot of people should ask themselves is when is the last time that you put yourself in a position where you didn't really know a lot of people, a little bit uncomfortable, and you're gonna be learning like a lot. Right, you, like the number of subjects that we we covered with different experts was, you know, expansive. You had to be thinking the whole time. I was taking Siltep the whole time, uh, and a lot of smart caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> I think we both lived on it. <laughs> yeah, and like in the morning, we tried to make coffee, and it that turned out okay. But the smart caffeine really, really helped get it going, put you in that mindset where it's like, okay, my body really aches from wrestling on the ground, but you know, you, you get up and you do it. And, you know, maybe we host an event like this sometime in the future. We tried to run one before, but not everything, you know, came in and went together. But I think the key is like that full immersion and camping creates that because 
even though like the cell phones would work and stuff like that, you, you are kind of isolated. It's not like a hotel. You're not going to the bar or something after that. You know, you're really stuck out there in the wilderness. So um, it, it, was, it was fantastic. So is there anything else, final thoughts or, or anything that you mentioned or, or came up in conversation like you mentioned earlier with, with Jordan or, or Jake or Todd at Atomic Athletes since the event? This is, this is the thing, and I kind of talked to Jordan a little bit about what they were doing online and seeing if there's places that you know, I could just help uh, you know, as a friend. But what I've kind of gotten or gathered or inferred, however you want to say it, is that um, you're more inspired to do things uh, in a community. So if there's a community setting, um, you know, it's going to push you, it's going to take you to the next level. It's like operating in teams versus operating as a solo person. Obviously, everyone, you know, in a team environment, you all make each other better. So when, when you look at something like, you know, the Vanguard, everyone's there supporting each other. And I think that that takes the level of, of learning up. You know, naturally, you're, you're boosted and you're ready um, to do those things. So I guess the advice that I would give uh, you know, to people listening out there is that if there's something that you're trying to do, uh, you know, if you're trying to take your platform and add on a new tool, a uh, new skill, you're trying to learn about a new subject, uh, going at it alone isn't the best idea. And even if that's like creating like an accountability group or an accountability bet where you say, hey, I'm going to do this. And if I don't do this, I'm going to donate a bunch of money to I always use Donald Trump as an example because uh, it's like a pretty good motivator in my mind. But understanding that there are other people out there just like you that want to improve. Um, they want to improve their memory. They want to improve you know, everything. And it's up to you to like find that. So latching onto that finding people that want to do the same thing and then pushing each other forward um, can be incredibly powerful and a great hack. Um, that's worked for me in my entire, it's funny because, you know, throughout business and, and everything like that, I've always had mastermind groups and joined forums and stuff like that and communicated with that online. But now that I'm like trying to learn all these new skills, um, like, wow, I can, you know, find that here. I can find that locally. And um, it's really taking it to the next level. Nice. So since we have you here, Ben, is there anything that we can leak to our listeners, any Natural Stacks news that we can share? Natural Stacks news that we can share. Well, first, I'll shout out to everyone on the team working incredibly hard to bring a lot of awesome products to market. We're really excited with, um, I would say, some of the high level things that we've been working on. And is now the right time to share? Not really, but I think uh, for the people that have been following us, um, the optimizers out there, you're really going to see, um, you're going to begin to see the company take, take the next steps up. Um, I think it's Rob Walling that talks about like the stair step formula or something for, for businesses. And I, I like to model a lot of, um, you know, what we're doing. Uh, out there, you know, according to that. And, you know, right now I think that we're stuck on stair two, but we've done all of the things in this level to get up to stair three. So you're going to see that with uh, some of the initiatives regarding product. You're going to see that when it comes to branding, you're going to see that with, you know, the team. Um, we've, we're bringing on some really, really cool advisors um, and really taking things I, I've said this like a hundred times on this podcast, but taking things to the next level. Um, 
What can I leak? Uh, new products. We have new products. The new products are done. If you pull Muntzi's arm, or as we like to call him, Muntzi's arm, <laughs> maybe maybe he'll give you some. Uh, but we have a couple things that we're just waiting for the right time. So maybe it's when this episode drops. Maybe it's three weeks later. I'm not sure. Maybe it's just in time to get it under your stocking. Well, or I guess in your stocking would make more sense. Yeah. Here's what I'll add. I've recorded a podcast with somebody who's collaborating uh, on one of those new products with us. And uh, you guys will be really excited to hear it, see it, uh, learn all about it. Uh, I can't wait for them to be out um, because I want to take them and I'm and not so, taking them yet. So yeah. every every single night when I get, <laughs> at, at, at night, I get my supplements ready for the next morning. And, and every single night I'm like, man, I really wish I had this so i will be taking it every single morning um that's funny that you get everything ready i used to do that and i did that for a while and eventually it just moved to everything's just right on my desk and as soon as i'm like you know done my little morning routine or whatever and i'm sitting down and i'm in you know work mode and everything's like on my yellow notepad i'm like okay time to stack up and, <laughs> and then, then i go after it Maybe maybe Muncie can convince me one day to, to come back on the show and we can talk about some of the routines. Well, I was just thinking that when you said this was the first time you've been on the show, this is like episode 74 and it's the first time you've been on. Like We're not waiting another 70 episodes to have you back. Ah, so. Maybe the, the century mark. We'll I'll get, make my return. We'll get you and Roy on at the century mark and, and we'll have a, a natural stack special. How about that? I'm not committing fully but it's an option we'll make it happen uh, all right we'll ben thanks for your thoughts thank you shout out to uh everyone at atomic athlete for putting on a cool event if you guys know you know if any of the listeners out there uh you know in, in your local areas communities have another like immersive event like that or even anything that's like cool you know Please let us know. We'd love to come out. We can sponsor your event. We can bring a ton of you know stacks to it. Um, but more than anything, I would just I would love to come. Maybe we'll leave Ryan at home. So just let me know. All right, here we go with a special version of top three tips to live optimal. Uh, these are gems or takeaways. Uh, that I wrote down on the plane ride home from Vanguard. Uh, it'll be interesting. There's a lot of uh, overlap with with what I wrote down here and with what you've already heard from some of the instructors and, and Ben and, and what I said in the very beginning of this as well. Um, so here we go. Uh, we'll kind of go rapid fire, try to be fast on this. Uh, number one, um, the hardest part is always getting started. It's always that first step. Um, but do it anyway, you will be so glad you did. Whether it's signing up and going to an event like this, whether it's starting a new business, finally writing a book. Um, you know, For me, uh, the, the, the embodiment of this was going over the edge on the rappel tower. I cannot tell you um, how much fear there was in that. It was, and I knew it was my lizard brain in, in, in that, that or, or that Labrador brain, whatever you wanna call it, it's, it's that, you know, I am hardwired as a human being. We all are, you know, that we know, hey, I'm not supposed to go over this edge this high off the ground. Um, but, you know, you got to overcome that, override it. Know, hey, trust trust the, the people that are around you. Trust the equipment that you've put in place to, to safeguard things. And, 
you know, I know that going over the edge, I'm not going to fall and die. And as soon as I felt that I wasn't going to fall, that it, that the equipment had me, then the rest of the rappel was fine. And I, you know, on the second one, I even flipped upside down and, and went face first. And, and that video is on the, the blog post. You guys can see that. But, but I'm telling you, the scariest part is going over the edge or, or out the window. It's always that first step. Um, don't let that fear that we have getting started, building that momentum, um, ruin or, or prevent you from experiencing the things that you want to experience and, and pursue. Uh, number two, learn the basics and the fundamentals. Every single block that we were exposed to, uh, whether it was butchery, striking, jujitsu, whatever it was, um, you know, it all started with you have to learn the foundations. You have to learn the basics. You know, if you're typing, I think back to like, you know, keyboarding class in, in elementary or middle school. And it's like you, go, you have to learn where all the keys are uh, before you can start typing quickly. Um, you know, you've got to crawl. Uh, the saying is you got to crawl before you can walk and, and before you can run. Um, so, you know, learn the basics. But then once you have them, you've got to drill them. You have to drill them. And, and that goes right into number three. Uh, you know, the only way to develop competence is to accumulate reps. Um, you've got to practice. You've got to work at it. You've got to put in uh, the, the time. You know, somebody who's been doing something for, for 10, 15, 20 years is always going to be better uh, at something, especially if they've been practicing it correctly, than somebody who's only been exposed to something for 90 minutes. Um, and, and that's number four. Um, you can't shortcut the process. You've got to do the work. Uh, now, as biohackers, we, we know of and we like to look for and share ways to um, accumulate better reps or faster reps or, you know, with neurofeedback, we can try to achieve the, the benefits of a lifetime of meditation by training our brain. So, so there are more effective ways, but you still got to do the work. And it's still, even with neurofeedback, even if that can get the result that meditation gets, it's still going to take six, eight, 10 weeks. It's not something that, you know, we're going to be good at the first time, uh, or, or we don't get the end result immediately. So, uh, prepare yourself for the process, embrace the process, embrace the journey, uh, accumulate those reps, do the work, um, and, and just commit to uh, becoming a better version of yourself. Uh, number five, if you are not competent in a normal situation, you will never be competent in a highly stressful situation. Uh, so, you know, if, if you don't know how to pack a wound, if you don't know how to, you know, put on a tourniquet uh, in, in a calm, relaxed setting, how the hell are you going to do it when it actually matters, when it has to, when, when there's this uh, incredibly chaotic moment? Um, you know, if, if you're not accurate uh, with a, if, if, if you are a bow hunter and you're not accurate with a bow in perfect conditions in practice, you know, what are you going to do when your heart's pounding out of your chest, you're staring at a trophy animal, the wind is blowing, uh, you know, we've got to train in environments that acclimate us to uh, and inoculate us to high levels of stress so that when we have to perform, which most of the time when we have to perform, we have to do it 
either in a spotlight or, or in a fishbowl or, or under duress, that if we are not practiced and, and prepared for that, we will not succeed the way we want to. Uh, a couple episodes ago, we had Jacob Gollin on. So if you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to that podcast. It was a great episode. Um, Jacob was a college basketball player. And in the NCAA tournament, he went nine for nine from the free throw line. Didn't miss a shot, even though they were playing Duke in the NCAA tournament. You know, March Madness, the, the biggest... Um, spotlight or stage that he was ever on and and he performed at his best. So we really dove into that in that podcast. If you want to listen to that one, if you haven't, definitely go back and make sure you do. Um, Your environment impacts your mood. Uh, This is number six. So, you know, we were camping. This was a full immersion event and, you know, being outside, being in nature, um, you know, whether you're at home, whether you're at work, uh, when it comes to productivity, happiness, um, cravings, motivation, um, you know, the, the things that you're around, you know, if, if, if you struggle to not eat donuts, um, you probably shouldn't follow Dunkin' Donuts and Krispy Kreme and, and those things on Instagram or Facebook so that they're always being seen on your, your feed. Um, or, you know, on the other end of that spectrum, you know, who you hang out with, the people that you surround yourself with, uh, have such a great impact and influence on who you are, the things that you believe, your belief systems. You know, if you're always hanging out with people trying to make themselves better, if you always hang out with people who are entrepreneurs or, or writing books or, or trying to make movies, you have this belief that it can be done because you see it happening all around you all the time. Uh, so I would definitely encourage you, um, you know, to, to pay attention to the environment uh, that you create for yourself in all aspects of your life. Uh, number seven is your social circles. This kind of builds on, on number six. Um, you know, it, it sounds cliche to say that, you know, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with, but, but I don't think that there could be a more true statement. Um, you know, the, um, if you're around, like I said earlier, if, if you're around people who are always trying to do big things, um, you're going to be motivated to do big things, but you're also going to have the belief that they can be done, which makes all the difference in the world. Uh, you know, use the four minute mile as an example. I don't remember the exact specifics, but there was a really, really long time um, where people were trying to do it, but they couldn't. And there was even a belief that, that physiologically humans could not do it. And then as soon as one guy did it the first time, people were doing it everywhere. Uh, Just because of that belief, that knowledge of knowing that, hey, it can be done. So hang out with people who have done what you want to do and and you will simply understand that it can be done. You can pick their brain. You can find out, you know, how they accomplished it. Ben talked about this. You know, don't don't try to do things alone. Um, You know, so so that would be the advice there. Uh, and, And those are it. You know, those are the seven that I wrote down. I close this episode just by saying that, you know, I'm really proud to have met these individuals. I'm proud to be able to call them friends now, proud and honored and humbled to have been a part of the Vanguard, to be a part of a group of men and women um, who are dedicated to becoming a bigger asset to not only themselves, but to others, especially to others, Um, you know, thinking, how can I add value to to any given situation Uh, and to be less of a liability? Um, So, Hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. Hope you learned a lot. 
Uh, if you have any questions, email me, ryan at naturalstacks.com or any kind of feedback. We're going to do more uh, on-site, in-person type podcasts. Next week, I'll actually be out in LA at Peak Brain Institute, uh, getting my brain hooked up for some EEG, QEEG, uh, brain scanning, brain mapping, and we'll report back to you guys on some of that stuff. Um, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Let us know how much you like the show. Um, Please share the OPP with anybody you know who will benefit from the things that we're talking about, the things that we're doing here, uh, so that we can help more people, uh, help more people become an asset, be more useful, make the world a better place. That's what it's all about, right? Uh, thank you guys so much for your time, and we'll catch you next Thursday.